You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. I felt like we needed to pull this out and kind of talk about it a little bit. Uh, one of the things we, we don't do a lot of is like, uh, we, we need to do more of this. But I want to talk about today about kingdom values create kingdom culture. And I think it's really important in our environment, in our church, and where we're going as a body of Christ uh, this is this is really pivotal pivotal for where we're going as a church and um, you know the Lord made a universe and in that universe on a particular planet he created beings he created Adam and Eve but he created us as well and and they were made in his image and because they were made in his image he gave them the command to rule and to bear his image on his creation. He also told them to be fruitful and multiply and, and to populate the earth. And, you know, when I think about that, sometimes I think, oh, he was just, you know, he was just wanting them to hurry up and have kids and just to be able to expand the earth and have more people just aimlessly wandering all over the earth. But that wasn't the case. The case was he had a, he had a specific plan. He knew what he was doing. And what he was wanting to do, he was wanting to establish a domain, a flourishing culture. A flour- I say flourishing, flourishing, a flourishing culture. And, um, you know, you guys, we're, you're probably going to have to just bear with some of us uh, this morning because I know Lacey's already said this, but uh, Benny Johnson passing away the other day really, uh, you know, I didn't know Benny personally, personally. I've met her several times, uh, been around her, but I never had the pleasure of being in being in friendship with her, but uh, just from being around her and being around, uh, you know, the Bethel leadership and Bill, uh, wow, it, it really impacted my life. And uh, if I, I can go on just a little short journey real quick on kind of my thoughts around this. You know, 17 years ago, and this isn't the actual book, but 17 years ago, somebody gave me a book, and it was this book right here, When Heaven Invades Earth. How many of you guys have read this book? Wow. A lot more people in here that's read it than I thought. That book began to change my perception of what God wanted to do on this earth. Because up to that point, the kingdom was just in theory. It was something that, because it was taught from a religious perspective, it was something that hadn't gotten here yet. And when I read this book, Bill points out that It's not only here, but it's inside of every one of us. And when I heard that, it kind of made me go, wow, this is really cool. And and I had literally, when I first got saved and spirit-filled, and I'm just kind of doing a rewind. When I got saved and spirit-filled, nobody really trained me in the supernatural. It wasn't like we had schools of supernatural ministry back then. You know who trained me in the supernatural? The Holy Spirit. (laughs) I I got a crash course from the Holy Spirit through a lot of air, but not the Holy Spirit wasn't in air, but I was in air because he was working with a uh, faulty uh, piece of equipment, you know? And, uh, but man, I was like, uh, I was just like blasting everybody like a shotgun and whatever would come in my mind, whatever I would see, I would just blab it and say it to people. And uh, it was really great because God was on it. And I experienced the kingdom that way. I really did. And 
it took religion to drive that out of me in probably about three or four years. I mean, I, I know I, I'm looking for some real sympathy from you guys. But um, <laughs> that's because I traded, I traded my what was free for something that now I had to perform for. And then I was also told, hey, we don't, we don't do that in this church. That's, 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 you know, that's immature. Maturity is, you know, you learning how to, you know, tone it down, just be quiet, and just, you know, uh, if you've got something you want, you've got to come to leadership. They're going to tell you whether you can or can't, you know, all those things. Everybody's experienced that, right? This means yes. Okay. Don't make me feel like I'm, I'm the only one who's experienced this. Uh, would you, would you say, Jay? I am. So, uh, saying all that, this book, I mean, I had no idea that 17 years ago, reading this book and then listening to messages that Bill preached, that one day I would end up, it's just crazy, end up in a Bethel church running with Bethel people. And getting my life wrecked and changed. And, and, and just a total reset pushed on my life. And I am so thankful for Bethel Redding. I am so thankful for Bill and Benny. Benny left a legacy. She left a legacy and she was a mother of a movement. She literally was a mother of a movement. Um, I mean, I can't say enough it, it, it really hit me harder than I expected it to. Sorry. And it's not because I knew Benny. It was just when you value something and you see how it impacts your life and how it changes your life, you'd never want to live it any other way. And so Friday morning we woke up. And it was like 6.30 in the morning or 6 or something. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm just being really transparent. I'm in the restroom. And uh, Terry yells out, uh, Chris, Benny died. And I just was like, man, I, I felt so selfish because I was thinking about all the people that were going to miss her, you know, uh, especially Bill. Um, but my heart just broke for the Johnson family. And uh, so we got up that morning and Friday morning we went walking. And uh, some of you guys saw this post I put, but it was just so, it was almost like God was just saying to me, and, and giving a reminder of why Benny did what she did. We're walking in the park, just in a random park, just went walking. And as we're walking, in chalk, written down the sidewalk, we walk up as we're walking, and it says, God is good. All the time, God is good. Man, <laughs> I mean, that was God. Because in a moment of where I could really question, why are we doing what we're doing? Why is there such a, a hard tension between, you know, getting healed and some people getting healed and other people not getting healed? I could really begin to question a lot of things in my own life. And we all do. And God's okay with that. But he also wants you to know that he is faithful and that he is good. And so it, it kind of, this kind of hit about the right time because what I was thinking about with the kingdom values this is what Benny and Bill have done for all their lives. They have taken kingdom values and they have created a culture, a kingdom culture that has changed the world. It has changed the world. 
Um, and I'm giving you a little backstory. I, I'm, I'm kind of just filling in some things that are popping up in my head. But I, I remember when I, I first came to Bethel, Atlanta, and um, Scott and Lacey had just gotten to Bethel, Atlanta as well. And a lot of us, it's a brand new work. People are excited. Things are happening. Nobody knew who Bethel, Atlanta was uh, in the very beginning. They knew they had the name Bethel from Bethel Redding. But nobody knew who Bethel, Atlanta was. It was because... As we began to, to go after the values of the kingdom and we began to create kingdom culture, it started to run over out of people's lives and, and, and happen and fall out into the city. And within two to three years, maybe even four years, we start hear, people start hearing about Bethel. They start hearing about, oh yeah, man, the miracles and the things that are happening, the supernatural and the prophetic. And, and it started becoming a common place where people were, they were knowing who Bethel was in Bethel, Atlanta. I remember walking into Christian bookstores 20 years ago. You couldn't find one Bethel product in a Christian bookstore. Within five years, that flipped and changed. Everything changed to Bethel because there, it was having an impact on a whole new generation. And so today, I think it's really, it's, I think it's, it's the right thing to do to talk about kingdom values and kingdom culture and honor what Bill and Benny have sown into us as a church and sown into this region and sown into the world uh, and how they've done that. And uh, it's so important. It's so vitally important in the times that we live in. You know, there's a, there's a, a, a really beautiful dynamic society in the triune of God. There's, there's this family that resonates. And in that family, God wants to see that manifested on the earth. He wants to see family, his family, manifested here on this earth. And uh, in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we see that God established freedom for believers from our broken culture, from our broken human nature. And he gave us, his followers, the Holy Spirit to believe again that we could partner with him once again. Because, see, in religion, it's not about partnering with God. It's trying to please God. This is a totally different mindset. It's a totally different shift that we have to get into. And uh, for us to understand that that God wants us to partner with him. I think the first time I ever heard that, it was Bill said that, you know, God wants to partner with him. And I'm like, wow, you know, I, I remember those first couple years when I got saved and I, I wouldn't have called it partnering with God because I didn't have that language for it. But it was like, yeah, th I mean, that makes sense because God is speaking to me and he's telling me, hey, I want you to say this. I want you to do this. I want you to, and the freedom that came in that and the power that came out of that was absolutely incredible. Anybody experience that when you first got saved? Do you know you're supposed to experience that all the time? <laughs> and uh, let's throw this verse up, uh, Romans eight seventeen. And uh, I know this is long, but I, I think it's worth reading. Um, this is a great verse. Let me get my, my glasses, or I could just read it from there, but I'm going to read it here, and you can go along with me. Romans eight seventeen, and um, it says, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, 
If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For creation was subjected to frustration. Not by its own choice or by its own doing, but by the will of the one who subjected it. And he's talking about Adam and Eve there. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the, into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the, this present time. Really what that's talking about is it means that God's salvation plan was and is the restoration of the origin, the intent, and the design to once again create kingdom culture with mankind. That's what Adam and Eve were created for. They were created for a relationship, but they were created to advance the kingdom. They were created to put God's mark, to put God's name on everything they came into contact with. And when sin came into the garden and interrupted that pattern, interrupted that, that, that place of uh, uh, commission from the Father God, then all of creation said it, began, it was subjected to, to, to these things that they did not want to happen, that they did not create on their own. Who created it? Man created it. So here we have God is saying that he, his original tent was to send his son to come and die on a cross so that we can partner with him once again and have absolute dominion and authority in this earth. Jesus is the one who, who modeled this so, so well. Um, Webster Dictionary says uh, that culture is the set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterize an institution or an organization. That's, that's the definition for culture. And we see throughout history that cultures were being shaped by the practices of others. And we have books upon books that describe some of those cultures that, that did really well and that thrived really well and, and, and expanded their kingdoms. But, you know, we have all these book that, that books that tell the story. But, you know, the greatest book that tells a story about creating culture is the Bible. This is the greatest book that was ever written that can teach us how to build the proper and the correct culture. And it gives us kingdom values to do it with. One of my favorite stories is about Solomon. Everybody know who Solomon was? Got to get a drink in. What I love about Solomon, it, Solomon was actually a redemptive story. Because Solomon was conceived in really an unwanted pregnancy. Everybody understand that, right? King David pretty much forced himself on his mother, Bathsheba, out of wedlock. And God took something that could have been so shameful for for his family, for, for the family of David, for Solomon. He took that thing that happened and he turned it around. He turned the shame around and made something amazing out of it. Absolutely amazing. 
He took Solomon in his pain and turned around and raised him up to be a king. And to be one of the greatest kings. We see that uh, he was the son of King David. He was the last sovereign of the kingdom of Israel. And Solomon looms large in Jewish culture and Jewish tradition. And uh, mainly because Solomon built a culture of wealth. He built a culture of excellence. He built a culture of, of worship. Uh, he, 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 he built an extensive trading enterprise, uh, and, and his people thrived because of it. He built the temple. I mean, we, we're talking, in today's standards, we're talking millions and millions of dollars that he put into the temple and he built the temple. And so Solomon's people thrived. It said at one time in 2 Kings, it said that other cultures and other countries were coming to see what he had done. And what God was doing through this man. It said the queen of Sheba came. And it said after she had seen everything that was going on in his kingdom. And in that, in that uh, providence. That she was left breathless. Isn't that amazing? And that's because of culture. That's because he created the kind of culture that changed things for the good. You know a healthy kingdom culture enables its people to live with meaning, purpose, and prosperity. It, it rightly connects people to God, but it also rightly connects people to each other. The right culture, a, a right kingdom culture, a kingdom aspects, kingdom values. It rightly connects people to each other. And um, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to see what God can do, and, and to, do to bring in and change a society through what we value through him and allowing him to use us the way he wants to use us. You know, in scripture, Christ gave us the foundations for a powerful culture, uh, which we were meant to build upon for the sake of the world and advancement of his kingdom. And by embracing these values, it's, it's literally possible, okay? Uh, it's literally possible uh, to bring in and heal diverse societies, and things that are going on. How many of you know right now we've, we've been seeing all these issues going on in our country. And we, our, our region, our world needs healing more now than it's ever needed. Ever needed. And how do you think that's going to happen? You think that's going to happen if we just sit back and wait for somebody else to do it? Uh, or, or is it going to happen because we as the church stand up and say, hey, I got to take some ownership in this. Like, I thought it was pretty cool when we were walking in the park and somebody wrote that out on the sidewalk. I was like, that's taking ownership. I mean, that seems like a small thing. But how many people has that touched already? Why? Because God wants us to put uh, his mark on this world. It's our responsibility to do that. And, uh, you know, our mission here at Resurgent ATL is to, you know, is to restore, transform, and equip the family of God for kingdom impact. That's what we feel like we're supposed to be doing here. And when people come in, we have people that come in from different backgrounds, from different denominations, from different ways of doing things. And we want to see people get healed up. We want to see them, we want to see them get restored. Uh, we want to see them get transformed in their identity and then equipped and sent out to do the work of the ministry. God has given us all the work of the ministry. The, the work of the ministry of reconciliation. Every one of us have been called to that. And, and you know today we're challenged more than ever before. Because as the church. 
we've got a big question ahead of us. Are we going to adopt a worldview or are we going to adopt a biblical worldview? I mean, guys, we're, we're in the middle of this right now. I mean, I don't know if I'm just, I'm just gotten really old, but I've never seen what we're seeing today right now. Where we would even have to ask ourselves this question, are we going to adopt a worldview or are we going to adopt a biblical worldview? But we're here. We're here. And, and it's definitely happening in the church where the church, some of the church is adopting a worldview. Um, I, I'm sure this breaks God's heart. It really does. Uh, somebody wrote, and everybody took off on this. Um, they posted this, and it was like so dead on. I'm going to read it to you because it's, it's pretty prevalent for where we're at. Um, John Bevere. <laughs> and I can't even say this name because it's, it's uh, yeah, it's Greek. So John Bevere wrote, Jesus warns the church in Thyatira. Th- th- I don't even know how you say that. Somebody want a Bible scholar tell me? Who? Oh, come on, Dallas, tell me. Thyatira. Thyatira is flat. You need to get a new one. Okay. <laughs> you like that? Come on. Yeah. That's redneck version right there. Come on. That's all I got. Sorry. Everybody can go home now. <laughs> I got to get at least one of those in, right? So, Je- so Jesus wards the church in Thyatira against, <laughs> against tolerance. Which, this is a big one. Against tolerance, which was leading them into immorality and idolatry. Our culture often confuses love and tolerance. The two couldn't be more different. Love seeks the other person's good. Tolerance seeks to be thought of as good in another person's eyes. Love comes from fearing God. Tolerance, here it goes. Tolerance comes from fearing man. Nowhere in scripture is tolerance held up as a virtue. Just a reminder to anchor your values in God's word, not in the world's broken system. Come on. That's so good. And uh, this, listen, when I saw that, I was like shouting really loud because, uh, you know, we we are challenged by this. And and it's it's becoming harder and harder uh, for the church or what seems to know what, what line to draw and what line to cross or what line not to cross. And um, I'm going I'm to read this definition. A worldview is a set of basic beliefs, assumptions, and values that arise from the narrative about the world and produces individual and group action that shapes culture. This can be, and really this can be broken down in three parts. And you can put anything you want to in these three parts. Basic beliefs a master story, and an action. In every worldview you encounter, these three elements will be there. Basic beliefs, a master story, and an action. Um, A biblical worldview is a worldview based on God's unchanging word. And since God is the creator of everything in heaven and earth, uh, he is the standard for truth, not our feelings and not what the world says. 
And we have got to get this down deep inside of us because we've got to understand just because everything is outside screaming, hey, that's not right, and that, you, know, you need to change the way you think and all these other things. As Christians, we need to stand on the Word of God. This Bible says Holy Bible for a reason because it's written after a holy God, period. And, and holy means reverence. That's, that's, I th- let, me, let me read the thing. <laughs> holy. I mean, it, it, it means, I love this definition. Um, holy, holy, why did I get a right so small? <laughs> I know. Holy, exalted or worthy of complete devotion. Listen, this is worthy of our complete devotion. And because... Many people are deciding that it's not worth their complete devotion. This is the problem. We're running into these problems. And, um, you know, the truth is contained in the Bible and in God's words. In 2 Timothy 3.16 states, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. That word inspiration, inspiration means breathe. God breathed out the Holy Spirit and guided and directed humans to write down and preserve his words through Scripture. A biblical worldview is not just a theoretical idea. It's not just a theoretical idea. It is a biblical worldview. It changes the way we respond to major events in the world. It does. It's going to change the way you think. And let me give you an example of that. If, you know, if you believe, uh, if you believe at your core that God is an angry judge, okay, that he's an angry judge who causes everything to happen and that every time there's a natural disaster, it's a deserved punishment for some portion of the human race, non-Christian or Christian alike. And and this worldview, you could even say it's a religious worldview, is based on an unredeemed theology. It's unredeemed because it's based on the law. It's based on works. It's based on our inability to keep the law. Well, Jesus came because we couldn't keep the law. But when you have a religious world mentality or a world mentality or a worldview, you're looking at it through a totally different lens. And you're not looking through it at a, a redemptive lens. You're looking through it at, at, at judgment and not through a loving father's eyes. But through a, through a hard, judging, uh, non-giving non, uh, non in to anything. Uh, and, and that's not who God is. Uh, a re- true redeemed biblical worldview only responds with trust in a loving God, his wisdom and confidence in what Christ did at Calvary which gave us a new covenant. Somebody say a new covenant. That covenant was a better covenant paid for by Jesus, and and we no longer have to, we don't have to walk in the old covenant. You know, for so long we've blended the covenants. We got blended theology. And uh, Dallas is back here shaking his head. Dallas is a theologian. I appreciate you, Dallas. Dallas is a, a student. He's, he's awesome. But blended theology, I mean, how many times have we experienced that? And we, and we want to know why we're frustrated and why the world is frustrated with us because we're speaking out both ends. You know what I mean? <laughs> both sides, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> 
Well, you know. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Appreciate that. That's number two. <laughs> the flat tire. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate that. You know, it, it's so, and, and I say this like lightly, but I mean it from the depths of my heart here. It's so vitally important for us to understand uh, how we obtain what we have. When we don't understand that, we, we do ourselves an injustice and we do the world an injustice because we're, we're not accurately dividing what the word says. And when we do that, we're not able to give people the answers that they really deserve to get. And, um, you know, and I know there's some people that don't want to hear the answers, but, you know, we, we can walk in love towards those people. And we have to understand that grace is a huge thing in what we do here today. Grace, God's grace inside of us is his ability at work within us. And we can't take any credit for any of it. We really can't. Because God's grace is so big, it's so awesome. You know, Jesus is the one that brought the ability. He br he's, let's, let's put it this way in, in layman's term. Uh, who, I don't go there anymore, even though I might look like I go there. Uh, who's ever been through McDonald's and you've gotten a meal, right? And you say, supersize it, right? And you get the big one. You know, you get everything big. It's, it's, it's upgraded. Well, that's what Jesus did. Jesus supersized your ordinary Christian life that was once bound by the law, that was once bound by things that you could not hold to because you're imperfect, because we're all imperfect beings, and he supersized our, our, our ability to do the things that he did in him. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's, that's like awesome. He supersized it. Uh, John 1, 16, 17 says, Out of his fullness... We have all received grace, this is so good, out of his full, not, not ours, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It is that grace that makes the new covenant life possible. It is. That's, that's what makes the new covenant possible, is that grace. It's it's his ability working inside of us, not our ability. We, grace is God's ability working through us where we, we couldn't do it on our own. On. We just couldn't do it on our own. You know, kingdom values create kingdom culture. And it's where, and what that looks like is where everyone is valuable and everyone sits at the king's table. My son wrote a song the other, not too long ago called For the Love of a King. And, and his, that whole song is talking about uh, the life of Mephibosheth, who was one of Saul's, one of Jonathan's sons. And when uh, Saul died and, and David came in to take over the throne, all the servants were terrified because they thought David was going to come in and just destroy everybody and everything. And so while they're leaving and fleeing the city, Mephibosheth is just a baby. He gets dropped and he becomes crippled. And they flee the city. They flee, they flee the country. They're, they're out uh, in, in, on the outskirts, not the country, but flee out beside, beyond the city and go into hiding. And um, after David takes power, he says, is there any of the house of Jonathan that I can bless? 
And so that some people came to him and said, the son of Jonathan is Mephibosheth. So he sent word. He brought Mephibosheth back into the palace. And from that day forward, he sat at the king's table. He sat at the king's table. All of his lands were restored. And, he, and it was like he had never uh, been separated from, from being in the realm whatsoever. And that's how, that's how kingdom values create a kingdom culture. Everyone is valuable and everyone sits at the king's table. A religious, values create a, religious values create a powerless and controlling culture where hierarchy and value is based on works alone. Man, how many of us have given up, you know, that lot you know that lifestyle of just accepting religion in our lives when we could have had so much more i mean so much more and i think that's i think that's what god is trying to highlight here today is that hey there's so much more i want to give you there is so much more that there is to to have and of course we can't cover all this stuff today this is just kind of like the the very beginning of it and and there's so much to unpack here but there is a distinction. Uh, there is a distinction. Sorry. When we talk about kingdom values and kingdom core values to create a kingdom culture, there is a distinction between aspirational values and functional values. In other words, those values that we aspire or hope to have versus those we truly have versus those we truly possess, which actually determines our behavior. We aspire here as a church to walk in a place of a, of a powerful kingdom culture. The reality is, are we, are we 100% there yet? No, we're not. Are we even part of the way there yet? Probably not. But that doesn't mean that we, continue, that we don't continue to aspire to go after those things. And it has to be done in a... We have to go after it continually. I remember uh, Bethel Reading for years and years and years. We'd go out to Bethel Reading and we'd go to conferences and we'd go to leadership meetings. And it seems like they were, it, sometimes it, it seemed like this. And we were like, it, it didn't make maybe make sense at the time. But it's like, man, they repeat themselves a lot. I mean, they repeat themselves a lot. And, and the reason why they were repeating themselves a lot was because they wanted those aspirational values to become reality. And we don't realize how much time it takes to get rid of the old to bring in the new. And, and it's almost compared to Jesus was talking about, hey, when, you, when, you, when the new wine comes, you don't want to put it into old wineskins. And it says because it will burst. Well, wh why will it burst? Because that container, that old wineskin is old and crumbly and it can't and stiff and it can't handle the new wine when it's poured, poured in. And when it's poured in, it expands and then it breaks, it bursts. And all that new wine that's so valuable just goes all over the floor. You know, it just, it just you lose it all. The other thing is when you put new wine into an old wine skin, there's a, there's a residue that's in the skin. And it will actually change, change the taste of the wine. We don't even think about that when we talk about blended covenant or blended theology. We got to get rid of the old to make way for the new. Because if we don't, we're wasting the new wine. So repeating ourselves and going after this stuff it is, is really, really important. 
I mean, I just, I had a meeting with somebody this last week, and I was talking to him, and I'm like, well, how are things going? It's like, well, they're going pretty good, but, you know, I don't feel like I can share with people some of the things that I need to share because I feel like I can't, I can't trust people because I've been so hurt by people not hearing what I'm really saying, and then they take advantage of that, or I get hurt by that, and, and it's like, so what's the answer? Like, is the answer just to clam up and, and not trust anybody? And no, that's not the answer. The answer is we keep going after it until we get it right. We keep going through communication and brave communication and learning how to value one another and communicate our, our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions in a way that are not judgmental, that open up dialogue between two people. I mean, today, we, nobody can have dialogue with anybody these days. It's cancel culture everything. Oh, well, you got to, and I talked about this months ago. Oh, I've got a, you've got a different, a difference of opinion. So, therefore, you're, you're not worthy of my time. It's just an opinion. Opinions can change. We have to learn how to walk in love. We have to learn how to walk in a place where we begin to understand that kingdom values if we don't adopt kingdom values and we don't lean into what God's word says and we don't divert from this, we are going to end up becoming tolerant. Not just with other people, but in our own lives, we're going to be able, we're going to begin to tolerate things that we didn't normally used to tolerate. Because it begins, you listen, you listen, whatever is the loudest voice going on in your head, it's going to impact you. And that's why social media has been so devastating to the church. Because we've allowed social media and the news and all this misinformation to be louder than this information. And, um, you know, here's an example. You know, there's, you know, talking about distinction between aspirational and, and functional values. We, we just keep going after them. And, uh, you know... We have a real value for honoring people. And, and for example, I think many of us have an idea that we have a high value for honoring others. But in reality and in practice, it's only when those uh, they, they deem worthy of honor because of something they've done for them. I'm only going to honor you if I deem you worthy of honor. Those are the people I'm going to honor. And God forbid if somebody's done you wrong then you're really not going to honor them. Uh, but that's not what honor is about. Honor is about, it's about sacrifice. I mean, honor is attached to love. Jesus honored humanity. He loved humanity enough to give up his, in, his life for humanity. I, I love Peter because Peter's, Peter's such a show off and he's a hothead and all those things. And he's talking to Jesus and he's trying to be all spiritual. And he's like, so Jesus... If my brother offends me seven, you know, offends me, how many times should I forgive him? Seven times? And Jesus was like, I'm fixing to blow your mind. <laughs> Seventy times seven. That's how many times. Basically, Jesus was saying, keep doing it until you get it right. We, we don't do that in our, in our society. As soon as somebody offends us or somebody does us wrong, we are Xing them out of our lives. And we call ourselves Christians. Sorry, I'm there too. There's times I've, I've had to go back and massively repent. And um, 
honor, honor always affirms value. You know, and as disciples of Christ, we're in a lifelong process to close the gap between our aspirational core values and our functional core values. And we have to anchor our values in God's word. I'm going to say it again, in God's word. We have to value our lives in our, in our values in God's word. You know, I love what Bill said, and he said this a while back, and everybody's ran with it for years, is we celebrate a person for who they are without stumbling over who they are not. This is the key to honoring people. Because always if you focus on the things that people are not, you're going to find a reason not to love them or not to honor them. But I have found in my life, and I'm sure a lot of us in here as leaders have found this, the, the longer I dig in the dirt of humanity or the dirt of somebody's life, and we all have dirt in our lives, there's, there's no getting around it, we will find gold. But you have to make an effort. And you've got to look past the dirt. When I say look past, I mean, I'm not talking about looking past where it's going to be harmful to you or harmful to others. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where we can find a common ground to connect with that person and love that person and call the great things out of their lives so they remember who they were, who they are, who God's called them to be. He's called them to go higher. He's called every one of us in this room to go higher. And as his disciples, we don't have any other choice. I mean, we do, we do, but, but, but do we? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, what time is it? Man, 11.54. All right, I'm not going to hold you guys over. Uh, one of the things we want, you know, I want to convey today as we, we leave this place that, you know, we, we do have core values in our church. And you can go on our website and look, but really our core values really do match and line up with Bethel Redding's core values. There's not anything uh, in Bethel Redding's core values I can disagree with. Uh, they're all kingdom-based, and they are all based on God's Word. And um, But what we want to start doing as we move forward as a church, we, we want to start highlighting some of those, those kingdom values and start pulling them out and expounding on them and, run, and having a better understanding of who we are and what God's called us to be, and who he's called us to be as a church. And uh, again, I, I think we've got to spend a lot more time in his word uh, to understand, to sustain a culture. It's got to be repeated and done time after time after time after time. Uh, it, you know, I think Dub Alexander might have brought this up, but we're talking about a apostles. You know, when Jesus was talking about his disciples and naming apostles, you know, he, Jesus took that word apostle and he took it from the Romans because their Romans had a word for their, their commanders and their leaders that they would send out to take over a city and they called them apostles. And their job was to go to the place where they were going to make it look like the place they were sent from. And so we're all really in an apostolic environment and our job is to do what Jesus modeled, which is he modeled it for his disciples. Uh, when they said, teach us how to pray, he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why would he even say that if he didn't think it was a possibility? I mean, that's, that's just my thinking. I mean, Jesus doesn't double talk. 
We double talk a lot, but Jesus doesn't. And so our goal is, is to understand that to create an environment in a culture, a healthy culture, there's going to be a lot of repetition involved. There's going to be a lot of trial and error. There's going to be a lot of aspirational uh, core values that we're trying to go after to create this thing. And in reality, until they become manifested, we're going to miss it a lot. But that's okay. Because if we love him and we love, his, we love the Father, we should love his creation. And if we honor God because he's God, then we need to honor his creation. Because we're made in his image. So every person that's in this room sitting next to you, you're made in the image of God. And, you, and you're, you're valuable. And you're worthy to be honored. You really are. And that doesn't mean like weird, like, oh, you got to honor me now, you know. There's an abuse in everything, okay? We can take everything to an extreme. But just... Really, you just, even with the word honor, you can just say love people unconditionally. Because honor is really the soil that all of our other core values of the kingdom grow out of. It really is. Because it's attached to love. Unconditional love. Go, go read first, uh, first Corinthians chapter Corinthians, the whole chapter 13. You, when you get through reading 13, you can't make any excuses for anything. <laughs> I mean, you really can't. If I, if I had one passage of Scripture to live my life by, it would be 1 Corinthians 13. Because every problem that uh, the world faces is, is solved in that chapter. It really is. Everybody stand up. I didn't finish today. That's okay. We were going to go. I was going to pull up some core values that we have here and kind of break them down. I just, I talked too, too much, I guess, or too long. But, uh, yeah, thank you. Who said that, Steve? What's up, Steve? Oh, it's Bud. Hey, Bud. I, I'm pretty good at recognizing people's voices. I don't know how I missed that, Bud, but that's okay. Um, all right, let me pray over you. Father, we just, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace. Man, the grace that's on our lives because of Jesus. Uh, Jesus, we're so thankful that you loved us so much that you gave up everything for us. And Father, we, we just pray for this entire church, for this entire congregation, that God, they would just come to the understanding that they are so powerful and they are so worthy of love and they are so worthy of your love and that, Father, you want the best for them in their lives. And so, Father, we just, we just come in agreement. We just say we want more of your kingdom. We want more of your ability uh, your grace in our lives to be able to execute and to, to implement the plan of heaven in our lives and in our church and in our city and our region and in our world. Let us be the answer to society. And uh, Father, we just thank you. We thank you that we have the ability to bring change and to bring heavenly change and to bring right change. So Father, we just love you and Father, we just, I just pray that every person in this room this week would just have an encounter with you. That God, provision would be, be made for each person in this room. Pray for breakthroughs. And uh, Father, we just pray that an outpouring of your love would just manifest in everybody's life this week. And that good kisses from a great father would just be poured out uh, onto the people here today. 
And uh, Father, fix, uh, just fix through your love and your unconditional love any bad dad theology. We just, we just say bad dad theology is, is of the enemy. And so, Father, we just pray that you just come in like a flood and just overpower every one of us this week with your unconditional love. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Uh, we got some prayer guys up here if, uh, and gals. If you're on the prayer team, come on up here. And uh, if, if you need prayer for healing or if you need prayer just for agreement on something in your life, Come on up. We want to pray with you, agree with you, lay hands on you. Other than that, bless you guys.